Welcome back to Quest for Gold. I'm Ryan Burrow. It's a big week for the Tokyo Games. The torch relay has begun. The torch will be carried through all of Japan's 47 states by about 10,000 runners, skiers, swimmers, and other athletes. It'll eventually reach Olympic Stadium in Tokyo July 23rd for the opening ceremony. There will be no international fans at that opening ceremony or for any event, for that matter. The International Olympic Committee formally announcing tickets will only be sold to Japanese residents due to the pandemic. IOC President Thomas Bach. We share the disappointment of uh, the many enthusiastic uh, fans uh, around the uh, the world and of uh, the families and friends of uh, Olympic uh, athletes about uh, this uh, decision and uh, we we're feeling with them and I really feel uh, sorry for this uh, situation Uh, but uh, it is a necessary uh, decision because uh, we have uh, to respect uh, the safety of all the participants and uh, we have said uh, from the very beginning uh, that uh, Organizing these uh, postponed Olympic Games uh, in this uh, situation of an still ongoing pandemic will uh, require sacrifices uh, from uh, uh, everybody. The move comes after backlash from the Japanese people. Survey showing a majority don't want the Games to be held with international fans as planned. By this time next week, we'll know if U.S. men's soccer has punched its ticket to Japan. The team hasn't qualified since Beijing 2008. The U.S. women's national soccer team has already qualified a spot. And this week, star Megan Rapino was at the White House, where she met with the president and first lady arguing for equal pay for women. I'm still paid less than men who do the same job that I do. For each trophy, of which there are many, and for each win, for each tie, and for each time that we play, it's less. This week marked Women's Equal Pay Week, which is the time into the year it takes for a woman on average to earn what men do. In this week's Athlete Spotlight, we turn to rugby. Lauren Doyle competed for Team USA in women's sevens in the 2016 Games and hopes to return to the Olympics this summer, this time to grab a medal not only for herself, but to also help grow the sport in her home country. Obviously, we've been kind of marching to the Olympics in Tokyo, um, but you took part in the Olympics in Rio in 2016, right? Correct. What, what was that like? The 2016 Olympics was uh, an amazing opportunity, especially for rugby as a whole. Uh, you know, it being the first time sevens and women's was rugby was in the Olympics. And then just uh, the first time, sevens instead of 15s was in so it was a huge probably pivotal moment in history you know if we're going to look back on it uh, for the united states and to get the game some exposure and you know to show america because it's just not huge in the u.s so to show um what it was all about and how entertaining it can be is is the olympics kind of the pinnacle right now of rugby like you want to get to the olympics so you can you can use that as a platform to grow and expand the sport for sure i would say that the olympics are going to reach the widest fan base um you know world cup is huge if you know about rugby but the olympics everyone knows about and everyone seems to be like open to watching new sports and like it's the Olympics. So you're going to be watching great athletes. How did you get into 
uh, rugby in the first place? When, how old were you? Uh, kind of who turned you on to it? Um, I was 18 and I was pretty burnt out on track. So, but that was about the only sport that I was getting recognition in, um, for sprinting. And I wanted to go to Eastern Illinois, but I didn't want to run track. (laughs) So I got a packet in the mail for rugby and I was like, well, mother, father, I am going to play rugby. (laughs) And I had no idea what it was. I just knew that there was like tackling involved and you couldn't throw the ball forward. Um, And of course, when you YouTube rugby, it's just like the world's biggest hits, you know, things like that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I started playing 15s in college. Um, And then my coach had a slight connection with USA rugby. And I went to my first USA rugby sevens camp, which I had not played sevens at all in 2010. So that was a year. I had been playing rugby a year and uh, pretty much just got recognized for being fast. And then my next appearance, I think, was 2012 when they had the regional tournament, which they don't have anymore, but it's called NASCs. And I represented the Midwest and played on a team there. And that was out in California at the training center. And after that tournament, he held camp for everyone that participated and after him being Rick, our head coach, and after that, um, I got invited to the China tour in 2012, and then I got invited to Dubai 2012, and at that time, I was offered a contract to start training full-time in January of 2013, so I moved out to California in January of 2013 and started playing rugby professionally then. Did, did you have any idea? I mean, obviously you didn't start playing until you were just out of high school. Did you have any idea you would be making a profession out of this? Um, no, I, I didn't even know that it was a thing. Like uh, my coach came to me after my first year and he was like, look, they've just announced that uh, rugby is going to be in the Olympics in 2016. They're going to be starting a residency program in 2012 and I want you to make it your goal to get there so from that moment on it was kind of it took it a lot more seriously you had brought up before uh that you checked it out on YouTube you saw rugby on YouTube I mean is there anything for for someone who who's not into the sport maybe trying to learn about the sport anything that you would recommend they they take a look at whether it be a a video or a book or something that that would really kind of give them the understanding of what rugby life is i mean obviously you can if you want to know about rugby life in general you can follow any of the girls on social media uh we we're pretty open about everything that occurs out on our social medias like instagram mainly and there's also two of my teammates have done a podcast together. Uh, it's pretty entertaining. They only have a few episodes out, but that is Naya Tapper and Alona Mar. Um, they give you a dive into a bunch of different topics, actually. Um, gives you insight into rugby. As far as uh, rules, probably you should go to usarugby.com and uh, check out the rule book or whatever, but just 
watching games is going to help you understand a little bit. The U.S. is is getting into it now. We're starting to see it, like here at Soldier Field down the street. They they they've had some some rugby matches, but you know, generally it's it's always right. going to be pushed down below basketball and baseball and football. Where where is rugby standing in the U.S. and where is it really big around the world? It's quite big, almost everywhere else. Um, New Zealand has a huge culture there based solely around rugby. Um, Australia as well. They have a bunch of different types of leagues of rugby and then um, Europe. But here in the United States, they're starting to get the pro leagues off the ground, which are essentially you could say it's like American football with how they're structuring it. Uh, It's like regionally based and they go around and play each other in the U.S. There's also, I believe they're going to start a women's league as well. And uh, in the colleges, it's getting to be more prevalent. You know, I did get a scholarship to play, a small scholarship, but more and more schools are having it as a a D1 or a a varsity sport where they can offer scholarships to play. So um, it's definitely taking off. I would say it's a little bit slow, but it's, it's getting there. When you, when you go to these international tournaments, is U.S. competitive? I mean, are we, are we in the top? Are we middle? Are we, we're, we're working our way? Kind of where, where do we fall at as far as uh, at the international level? So just for background, the 2018-2019 season, we really ramped up and we were finishing in the top four consistently. We got our first championship win in Biritz in 2019. So we won the whole tournament. And then in the start of the 2019 season, we were in Glendale, Colorado, and we won that tournament as well. Um, So to say we were on the up and up and of a good track is pretty legit. Um, I have started at the bottom. I will tell you when I first came on the team, we weren't a very competitive squad, but it's just crazy to see the the caliber of athletes that we've recruited and the the dynamicness of us um, has changed so much. And it's just really positive to see and we're definitely a competitive squad already qualified is is the team already qualified a bid for for tokyo yeah so uh, this the season before the olympics so like that 2019 season when it ended in june that in when you finish overall the top four spots automatically qualify and then the uh the host country gets in so that's like five. So we don't have to go through a qualifier tournament. So to give you background, at the end of 2015 season, we finished fifth overall. So we had to go to qualifier turn a qualifier tournament in July uh, or June, and um, we had to beat out everyone regionally within like the United States, the Caribbean, Mexico that like all of the United States there, um, Canada qualified in the top four. So we didn't have to play them. Uh, so yeah, we, we won that tournament quite easily, but we did have to go through another step, um, for the 2016 Olympics. 
you're qualified the the position and then i assume then that usa rugby has to fill out the roster then when when how does that all kind of come together before the games i believe our squad is being named at the end of june slash beginning of july so about a month before the games i'm assuming that your goal is to be on that roster that would be the goal yes that is what i come and train for every day (laughs) what has the last year been like you know the pandemic started up you know everything got shut down you're in the u.s were you in the u.s this whole time we were in new zealand playing in a tournament we had a back-to-back tournament so we went new zealand to australia and that was in january of 2020 january slash february and um I remember the China team, they were told that they couldn't go back to China and that they were going to have to stay for, I believe, six weeks. I don't really know how long they ended up staying in New Zealand, but that was when I first heard about like COVID and its realness. And then we came back in the beginning of February. I took a small vacation and then... We started training for a couple of weeks, and then they sh- they shut us down in March. So um, it all happened quite quickly. Um, and then the rest of the year, you know, they canceled all of our tournaments. And I was like, oh, geez, they postponed the Olympics. And, uh, you know, we've had a little bit of supplemental play since then. A lot of inter-squad playing uh, throughout the year. Um and then we just got back from Spain a few weeks ago and played in a tournament there. Were you able to kind of get by and, and find ways to train and work out on your own? Um, were, were there times when you had to be separate from everyone? Or, um, you know, we've, we've heard stories about people that kind of went in on their own. We've heard others that, you know, we were, that, you know, maybe teammates kind of created a little bubble and were able to train uh, or work together for the time being. So, you know, maybe that's kind of the route that y- you were able to go down. We had... Uh, running to do lifting to do um, throughout the whole uh, time we were not training together Um, so we stayed physically fit to a degree but you know obviously we weren't getting touches with the rugby ball so that was that was the suckiest part for me (laughs) what did you do during your downtime (laughs) um yeah, I, I am a huge Netflixer. I love, you know, the murder shows that everyone's into. That's typically, I watch like the top 10 Netflix things. I have two dogs, so they got a lot of me time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I did get to travel a little bit just at home in June in 2020. And then I actually went to Jamaica for a vacation in uh, December. And that was with two of my teammates, uh, Naya Tapper and Jazz Gray. So we've been hearing a lot from the IOC, from the USOPC too, about the precautions they're taking, the things they're preparing for. It sounds like there are going to be no international fans uh, at the Olympic Games. When you think about this, when you think about your July, if indeed you make the roster and, and, and head over there, are you feeling confident, first of all, that it's going to happen? And, and second of all, that it's safe? How are you, what kind of vibe are you getting from everything that's been discussed to this point? Yeah, you know, um, I think it's good that we're traveling now. I leave tomorrow for Dubai for two and a half weeks. So 
Um, and then Spain, you know, we really got to experience what it's going to be like with COVID. Like we were confined to our rooms and had, I don't know, 15 COVID tests while we were there. So, um, that gets a little crazy, a little annoying, but it's good that we get to be exposed to that and understand and, you know, find ways to cope with what the times are right now because we all want the olympics to happen and we all you know want to follow the rules and be able to participate so i think it's really good you know we have we did spain then we got dubai coming up have you been playing in front of fans this whole time or have there been no fans at these last matches that you've been a part of no fans um just weird other athletes that are watching games (laughs) uh honestly i don't I never truly paid attention to those types of things. Um, I just know that we can hear each other very well on the field when we're talking. So <laughs> it's kind of nice, you know, to not have that added stressor. Cause I've definitely been in tournaments where the, the crowd was so loud and I don't even think someone two feet away from me could hear me talk to them. So um, it, it has its, Pluses and minuses, right? If people want to follow you, if they want to follow the team, where, where should they go? What should they, what should they look for? Um, yeah. So on Facebook, I'm just Lauren Doyle. It's a professional page. And then Instagram is Lauren.Doyle23. And for fans like uh, USA Rugby is the handle for Instagram. They also have a Twitter, which is USA Rugby. Um, Facebook Live sometimes has streams for us. If you're able to to go to Tokyo, is there someone you'd like to see, someone you'd want to meet maybe outside of rugby? Is there some kind of athlete that you follow? At the 2016 Olympics, I got to meet Serena and Venus Williams, tennis players. I love, I love watching tennis. It seems to always be on whenever we travel. And like I watched... Um, the Australia Open when I was in Madrid. I got to meet them a little bit. Michael Phelps, always a cool guy, you know, decorated and whatnot. He's very nice. Um, but yeah, I think any athlete, to be surrounded by any of those athletes is an honor. And it's so cool to be in that atmosphere. Good luck in Dubai and beyond. Lauren will continue to follow her progress through the spring and summer. Thanks for listening. I'm Ryan Burrow. We'll be back next week for another episode of Quest for Gold. Quest for Gold.